This is The Guardian. Wünschst du dir, dass dein Lieblingspodcast nicht mehr durch Werbung unterbrochen wird? Gute Nachrichten! Werbefreies Hören bei Amazon Music ist in deiner Prime-Mitgliedschaft enthalten. Gehe einfach zu amazon.de slash podcasts, um die neuesten Folgen zu hören. Genieße als Prime-Mitglied tausende Acast-Podcasts ohne Werbung. Einige Podcasts enthalten möglicherweise Werbung. Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly to Old Trafford and the every other game crisis klaxon for Eric Ten Hag beaten so convincingly at home by Bournemouth. Turns out Sid Lowe was right all along. Then to Fortress Villa Park beating Arsenal. Who wants to hear Jordan Jarrett Bryan on that? Even we wouldn't miss an open goal like that one. Spurs get back on track with an emphatic victory over the empty husks of Newcastle. Well, there's another good win for Everton over the perennial absolutely no idea what's going to turn up Chelsea. Manchester City squeeze past Andros's left foot at Kenilworth Road. And what Fulham win every game 5-0 for the rest of time. There's a peach from Sheffield United's James McAtee and a standout performance from James Trafford for Burnley. A huge comeback for Cambridge in a big Football Weekly derby. We salute Michael Owen's apple-throwing bravery. Take your questions and that's today's Guardian Football Weekly. On the panel today, Troy Townsend, welcome. Uh, welcome, Max. Uh, hello, Jordan Jarrett-Bryan. Morning, mate. Uh, hi, John Bruin. Hello. Let's get through these ones then. Joe Kim, how afraid are you that Robin Cowan will be the Max Rushton to your Jimbo? Jamie, when do we get to have Robin back? Matt, can we have Robin back? Tombo, has Max been firing out Graham Alexander's for the whole of Robin's excellent stint at the helm? Uh, producer Joel, Robin did a brilliant job and she was a joy to work with. All right, mate. Um, anyway, uh, thank you, Robin. I knew you'd be brilliant and you were. Um, let's go to Old Trafford, Manchester United nil. Uh, Bournemouth 3 um, uh, last week. Um, I wasn't here, so not my fault. Uh, we called a Man United turnaround after uh, <laughs> Robin, useless, after uh, they beat Chelsea midweek. And now this is objectively a hilarious result. Ten Hag had just got manager of the month, Harry Maguire player of the month. Bournemouth's first ever win at Old Trafford. Uh, Mark says, is it too early for Sidlow to say I told you so? Oliver, how long until Andoni Iraola is sacked by Chelsea? Um, they... They were brilliant, Troy, Bournemouth, weren't they? They had a plan. It worked. And even though it's their first ever win at Old Trafford, it doesn't feel like a massive surprise. <laughs> You're absolutely right there. Um, what you've just said there, Max, they had a plan. And there's two teams on this football pitch, isn't there? And one looked like a well-coached team. <laughs> I, I, wonder how, I wonder how quickly we get to Man United. <laughs> yeah. uh, one was, you know, a well-coached football team, Um knew the game plan, had an idea of how they were going to approach the game, going to Old Trafford um, and played it out. Whilst there's another team that just seems like they play off the cuff. They obviously have some kind of identity, but it doesn't mature itself very much. Um, they get rattled very quickly. They're playing a defence that, you know, highlights the massive issues that are at that club with Luke Shaw, only just returning and playing as a centre-back next to, obviously, the player of the month. Um, and it just doesn't work. It doesn't look like a great fit. Rashford benched again. It just doesn't work. But the focus should absolutely be on how incredibly well-drilled Bournemouth were, how they pressed really high. They they knew where the weak points were in that defence and they targeted the left side, Regulon, Shaw won the ball high up the pitch, exposed United's um, frailties, scored some really good goals, by the way, really good team goals, um, and came away with a victory that was fully deserved. There was no, you know, from the first minute almost to, to the end of the game. They were, they were on top. They were very polished and, and deserved the victory. The interesting thing, Jordan, is with Iriola, isn't it, is, is that... It's just another lesson in how quick we are. We don't know how well they'll do this season because the season is long, but you're so you're so quick to, to sort of write people off. Not you personally, I mean, you obviously are, but like we are. And actually now you can see he's had some time and since shipping six at City, right? They've won four, drawn one. And the game they drew was against, you know, the future champions, Aston Villa. And it's working. What they're doing is working. I think you're right. I think he is an example in in a patience, in belief, in just giving a man time to do his job and 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 work. But I think it's also a bigger 
um, example of just good recruitment from the club. You know, they've they've, they've brought in a manager that I, I'd heard of, but not heard much about. Um, and I think in the Premier League, a lot of us are conditioned to, if we've not heard of a manager, we kind of tend to, oh, I'm not sure about that. And especially as they got rid of, was it Gary Neal was there before, but the way he left wasn't particularly uh, a clean parting of the ways. Um, so just identifying this is the guy we want to bring into our club. He's not a sexy name, but actually we've done our due diligence and we believe that this is the guy that can take us where we want to be. And without getting to United too soon, I think they're the opposite. So I think, A, there's an example of patience and belief in the guy and, and giving him time to do his job. But even before that, it's about who, what kind of club do we want to be? Who's the club, who's the sort of manager that we think can achieve that? And then it's about, okay, accepting that there's going to be some downtimes and some tricky periods, but we can ride this out. And I think this is they're reaping the rewards now at this point anyway of, of, of all of that work. They were brilliant. And, you know, first cliche of the pod alert, it was 3-0. It could have been six. And that's not like an exaggeration. It genuinely could have been five or six because um, they played that well. And I don't think they had to even play that well well to kind of do what they did so all credit to, to Bournemouth M- my only thoughts on United and I'm sure John got 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 lots but I people talk about Martial being the kind of symbolic being of of the state of Manchester United the club I actually think Fernandez is a bigger symbol for that club because him getting booked it's deliberate. Ooh. He knows he knows he's one yellow card away from, from missing the Liverpool game. It's deliberate. He knows what he's doing. And if he doesn't know what he's doing, that's almost worse. The fact that he can get such a cheap yellow card ahead of a game that is so important to that football club as captain, I think is absolutely disgusting. I think it's so bad uh, what he did. I'm convinced that he knew what he was doing. He knew the game was coming up and he just didn't want to be a part of it. That, that, that's, that's, that's my view. Um, and I think he's the symbol of, of what's good, but also really bad about that particular football club. They're, they're an embarrassment right now, United. It's really, really bad. And they've broken many of my Man United fan friends. They're, they're broken. They're just like, we don't know what to do anymore. We don't know how to feel about games coming up and games we're playing. We don't know if, we don't know what to do. They, they, they genuinely feel like they've, they've lost their club. Mm. I mean, and that's an interesting point, actually, isn't it? That there are teams that go through tough spells, but... When they win, it's enjoyable. It doesn't seem to be fun when United win or, or, or when they don't win. Melvin says, had I known in, in advance that John Bruin was going to be on, I would have lumped my life savings on a Bournemouth win. He seems to be on when the opportunity to sigh and say United a shite presents itself. Mind you, given the season so far, uh, with that, he could host the pod. Here we go, John. Off you go. OK, well, this game, uh, watching it back, reminded me of two matches uh, in particular. One was... Uh, when Athletic Bilbao came to United in 2012 and Iriola was a player for Bielsa and I'd never seen it. And this is the before times Manchester United with Alex Ferguson's manager. They got absolutely mauled by a team playing uh, this pressing football that pushed them back, took them apart. I'd never seen a team quite like it. Obviously, that team turned out to be quite influential in football as we moved a, a decade on. And the other game it reminded me of was when United lost at Brentford at the start of last season against a team pressing high, running hard, uh, and United looked completely uh, all over the show. I may as well say this. I was in uh, holiday over the weekend in the Netherlands, and I went to see four matches in four days uh, in a sort of ground-hopping experience. On Friday night, I was at FC20, uh, where Steve McLaren is a legend, of course, and his assistant in those days was Eric Ten Hag, also a legend in those parts, played for the club, uh, and they were talking about what a great guy he was, when I was watching Dutch football over the weekend, I sort of thought where the problem is for a Ten Hag team is that in Dutch football, you get two touches of the ball before it's time to go, time to move, time to look at what's the next thing to do. But if you play against teams at Bournemouth that play at this high energy, high speed pressing, you know, they launch the ball into the corner to start off to push them, push them back. It was like almost old style crazy gang football. Uh, and the Manchester United under Ten Hag aren't equipped to deal with that. One thing Jordan said, it could have been five or six, should have been four. That Utara goal, why was that rolled out? Come on now, don't be silly. Another thing about Dutch football, they do have VAR there. I didn't notice it. 
There you go. We should just focus on the era divisie, shouldn't we? Yeah, El Afri says, talking about uh, you know that Bill Bow game sort of more than ten years ago. He said Saturday's loss was the ten-year anniversary of this tweet from Manchester United. How many more years before this is no longer true of the club? Yeah, Manchester United tweeted on the tenth of December, twenty thirteen. David Moyes says Man United must improve in a number of areas, including passing, creating chances, and defending. It's the third time Troy they've lost. 3-0 at home this season. They've lost seven of their opening 16 Premier League games. They've won the others. They've got no draws. So amid all of this, they are three points off fifth, which could get them a Champions League spot, which is ridiculous. It's incredible, isn't it? When when um, they said the stat a couple of weeks ago about United and you know how they're the most formed team in the league, and you just don't see it, do you? You can't visualise it because they seem to be being lambasted at every moment. But actually, they had a a half-decent run of form, but the Champions League form has been crazy. And is that systematic of what the league is at the moment? You know, City are, are, are in fourth place. They're four points off the top. United are so close that if they beat Liverpool next week, you know, and, and results go their way, they can join those teams in and around the Champions League positions. But I, I just look at a dysfunctional football club and whatever's going on, and we shouldn't make excuses for what happens on the field of play, but what is ever going on around the top table at that football club, it is just as mad and as and as all over the place on the field of play as what it is at, at the top level. So, but like you said, you know, a win next week, I don't see it, but a win next week could potentially put them, again, us talking about them in a different way and all those fans as well. But they're an incredible football club at the moment that is just kamikaze would probably be the, the phrase that I would use. So it's the interesting thing, Jordan, is you know, when you know, people, rumours about Ten Hag and whether he should go or not and whether that would make a difference because obviously they've had other managers in the past and it hasn't worked ever since Ferguson left. Their recruitment, because they are Manchester United with players and managers, they have to recruit a different level, right? Ten Hag was almost like the lowest level they could pick and he'd been really super successful with Ajax. They couldn't get Iriola, right? Or it would be different for him. Like that, that is the sort of difficulty for this, an enormous club that isn't well-structured, sort of has a sort of very limited set of people that they could go for yes it's it's a really good point but they're at the point now max whereby they may have to push against that and they may have to decide that actually we are a juggernaut of a football club but actually if we want to get back to being a successful football club we need to widen the net of the sort of managers that we, we we feel can bring that success back to us and that may well mean bringing in a manager that is unknown from the German, you know, Bundesliga in he's managing, I don't know, Hamburg or a team that's in 14th. But if that's the guy we feel can get us back to where we need to be, we need to kind of get over the fact that he's not a big name, sexy manager that we shouldn't be associated with. So I, I get that, but I, I think they're at a point now where they need to almost break away from that and just now get the guy they think is right for the job. I wouldn't sack Ten Hag. His record at the moment is horrible. His, re- his record, and I think there's a lot of responsibility he needs to shoulder for their demise. I, I wouldn't fire him, though. I think he's a good manager. I just think he's working in in a, in a, in a source of nonsense that makes it very difficult for him to do the job that he needs to do. If they sack him and he moves on, he will be a success. So I wouldn't sack him personally. I would say there's 10 players going in the summer. We won't name them. Just get rid of them. Take the financial hit and start again. Bochum are 14th in the Bundesliga. <laughs> Their manager's a man called... Get him in. Thomas, Thomas Lech. Anyway, yes, 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 John. I was, I was saying D- Danny Roll at Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, he's won a couple of games since he's been there. Um, Steve Cosrill, why yeah. not? <laughs> Moving on, Luke says, I can't think of anyone better to be on the panel than Jordan after Villa beat Arsenal. So Villa are good, aren't they, Jordan? Joey says, was Jordan always scheduled for this pod? Or are the producers that sly? Darren Aston Villa and Onai Emery are quite good, aren't they, Jordan? This is the worst week you could appear on Football Weekly, Jordan? Or do you, you know, you're here to take it? Yeah, producer Jordan knew exactly what he was doing. Um, Although, to be fair to him, if Arsenal had won the game, you know, I'd be crowing. Um, On Friday, I just got a barrage of of dms from villa fans messaging good just, just like just talking absolute nonsense oh we're gonna stuff you when you're on the pod next just just chucking it something like okay i'm gonna save all those tweets because on monday i'm gonna doesn't sound like nonsense mate <laughs> <laughs> um oh yeah this is painful um all right so 
I think it's fair to say that the better performing team lost the match, right? Over the 90 minutes, the, the, the better team lost, right? Now, Villa won't care. They got the three points. Boohoo, move on. But I, I think on, on Villa first, um, I'll give them some credit. The goal they scored, um, I thought was a brilliant goal. I thought it was a really well-worked team goal. I've watched it back several times, and it's not the sort of goal I think you can defend, apart from maybe Ben White got rolled a bit too easily. The passing precision, the movement is brilliant. It's, it's one of those very difficult goals um, to, to, to stop. So I'll give him credit on the goal, first of all. McGinn, who I think is, I think you guys overrate McGinn massively, is playing well above his level. Um, uh, fair play <laughs> to him. He got the winner. He, John McGinn is a good player. But the way you guys talk about John McGinn, you're always saying he's overrated. Who, who's doing the rating here that, that you're you're kicking against, Jordan? Everyone thinks John McGinn's is brilliant, top class, top ten midfield in the Premier. I'm like, he's good. He's not that good. He's playing above his station right now. This is not his level. But again, fair play to him. Wow. I was also want to kind of just debunk this title contenders tag that they seem to have. They seem to have. <laughs> they seem to have applied on themselves. They're not title contenders. They're having a great run. Their home record form is insane right now. They're playing brilliant football. Unai is a brilliant manager. I've praised their midfield in, on previous pods, but they're not title contenders. It's December. They're not even bankers for top four. They're not bankers for top four. So how can they be title contenders? It's, it's just insanity. Calm down, Villa fans. Calm down. I'd written forget the pantomime for a second <laughs> uh, uh, in the script. Um, um, we will come back to you, Jordan. But, you know, 15 wins in a row, John. Six points from City and Arsenal within days of each other. Whether they are in the... T- I mean, they are in the title race right now. Whether they last the course is different. It's seriously impressive. And, and uh, like, very different victories. I think Jordan is right. Arsenal were good. And, but they batted City in the week. But to get six points is just so impressive. Uh, yeah, I mean, these are Villa's best days since, I don't know, big Ron Atkinson was in charge. Or, you know, the, 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 <laughs> yeah. Brian Little. Yeah, so you've, you've got big Ron, Brian Little, Graham Taylor. But even before that, you know, you're back to Ron Saunders and Tony Barton. It's that sort of level of Villa... I've always uh, enjoyed going to Villa Park. You feel that you're at a big and proper football club and it's always punched under its weight. And this is Villa back to, you know, Britain's, England's second city, the biggest club in... And and in Emre, they have a jewel of a manager who suits a club like that, which is not the the big elite club of the type that, you know, you mentioned before. Would Manchester United hire Unai Emery? They probably should do, but they wouldn't do because he's not of that type. Going to Aston Villa, he gets the chance to rebuild a club that's got ambition, they will spend money uh, and he'll work with players who want to learn, who don't think they know it all, who don't think they've arrived at the elite. And we're seeing the fruits of that in a season which is very topsy-turvy and some of the big teams have weaknesses. A team like Aston Villa will come through and has come through and I've really, really enjoyed them this season. I think they've been fantastic. Max, I've heard of this feud between... Um, our learned friend on the pod here and the Villa fans. I mean, learned is learned is. Back <laughs> on. I, I I wish the Villa fans could see his face right now because he's steaming. Listen, I've got as you well know, and uh, that's why I was quite taken aback by they won't even finish fourth. Um, I've got them in fourth. I thought they were going to be the team because of the manager and you know the way that he was disrespected at Arsenal and the way he's come back and proved that he's a top manager in this, in this league and has been in, in, in Spain as well. And the fact that he coaches, and I've said it already today, he coaches his players. It's quite clear. It's quite obvious. And the benefits of that are someone like John McGinn, who struggled under the previous manager, who has come here and is proving that he's a top player in a top club um, who are going forward. Yes, Arsenal dominated. They weren't amazing. So let's cut to the chase here. Arsenal weren't amazing. They dominated the Villa side who had put up so much into that victory against Man City. I thought Villa Park was nervous. I thought it was really nervous. It was a great start. I agree with Jordan. It was an unbelievable goal when you look at the patience that they took to build that chance up and then Bailey, who obviously had a, a great game against City as well, then all of a sudden squared up Gabriel, took him down the line, you know, ball into the box, lovely spin by that great player again, John McGinn, 
um, to put it into the back of the net. And then it was all about Arsenal and it was all about, you know, could they take their chances? I'm sure we'll bring up the penalty and we'll bring up the, the disallowed goal. Um, the pen, I actually think it's a pen. Having watched Liverpool earlier on in the day, this is why we have so much controversy about refereeing and we have to tiptoe around it. But you can't give one at, at Selhurst Park and then not give the same thing at Villa Park. It's a pen. It's full stop. He's made no contact with the ball. He's made contact with um, his Jesus' his ankle. It's, it's a pen as far as I'm concerned. So they can feel a little bit aggrieved there. But did they do enough to get back in the game? Did they do enough to, yes. to, 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 you know, to... Yes. And I'm hearing yes in my background. I'm not sure where that's coming from. It's <laughs> coming from the clouds. But um, did they do enough? So for me, the, the result will stay. Villa won, Arsenal nil. And that's what we should be focusing on. Sorry, sorry, Max. So I've just got to kind of just to, to take words apart. I can't have... Please be my, be my guest. Be Odegaard my guest. has missed two sitters. I actually disagree with you. I think the penalty... I, I, I'm not sure it was a penalty. My bigger grievance is with the disallowed goal. That's my. That's the bigger issue, I think. The really interesting thing is, I could have watched that for five years and still not been sure. And the other dumb thing about that law is, I think if Inketia pokes it in, and he could have done right, it's about bouncing it around. It's a goal. Then that goal is given. Yeah. Because it's not an intentional handball by Havertz. You know, it just brushes his hand. You know, it is a law where Cash can accidentally handball it, and that's not a handball, and Havertz can't because he scores it. But it's a dumb law. I agree with you, Jordan. It's a dumb law. And back to Troy, Martinelli, one off, the, <laughs> one, one, off, one off the line. Saka, if he holds his one by a millisecond, he's through. I mean, we, There's we, a lot of ifs in there, Jordan. Well okay, well, okay, but the point is, there were chances created to win the game. I just, bef- I, I think Arsenal were very wasteful in front of goal. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think that, that that's on Arsenal, of course. But to say that Arsenal didn't create enough to, to win after Villa scored, they did nothing. They did nothing, um, and, I, and I think that's fair to say. I, I just want to, on a serious point, I, my, f- my final analysis of the game is, I just want to just big up and dedicate um, uh, the pod, if you like, to Benjamin Zephaniah, the poet and writer, who's a yeah. massive Aston Villa fan, um, and, you know, the one Villa fan who I actually like. He's um, <laughs> a lovely guy. He passed away last week. And if there's one blessing um, for Villa winning that match that I would like to bestow on this podcast, on the Villa fans, it was that hopefully he was looking down on that yeah, one because yeah. I have no yeah. time for Aston Villa fans. But just to kind of dedicate that to, to, to him, I think it was a great yeah, yeah. Um, moment that he obviously didn't get to see. Well said. Uh, that'll do for part one. Part two, we'll begin at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Wünschst du dir, dass dein Lieblingspodcast nicht mehr durch Werbung unterbrochen wird? Gute Nachrichten. Werbefreies Hören bei Amazon Music ist in deiner Prime-Mitgliedschaft enthalten. Gehe einfach zu amazon.de slash podcasts, um die neuesten Folgen zu hören. Genieße als Prime-Mitglied tausende Acast-Podcasts ohne Werbung. Einige Podcasts enthalten möglicherweise Werbung. Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. Uh, so Spurs four, Newcastle one. I mean, Spurs, Troy were excellent. Um, uh, you know, they scored early. They scored the first goal, which they tend to do, but then they got the second one, which they haven't. They, they sort of forgotten to do for the last five games. But you do have to caveat it with the fact that Newcastle are just done. Aren't they? they are just absolutely. They're just ah. shot. There's nothing there. There's nothing in their legs. Yes and no, Max. They've got a squad of players, and obviously that squad is decimated. But they've got some talent on the bench that Eddie Howe is refusing to use. Although he did bring young Hall on yesterday, didn't he? And yeah, the, the lads have played five games on the spin. I get it. They're in Champions League. I get it. But they knew this was coming. They, they knew Champions League was there. They knew that if they wanted to continue to be part of the top table, um, that these games were coming. Um, the injuries have been unfortunate, but they're not the only side to have a number of injuries, as we've seen this season. Listen, it might have been fatigue a little bit. I thought Kieran Trippier had his worst game that I've seen him for a very long time in a defensive manner. But I would praise Postagoglu for putting Son back out wide because he was... He was the one that that showed up here in Trippier. Trippier, who obviously gave Everton two opportunities the other mm-hmm. night, and they and they pushed them and they punched them away. But for me, uh, this Spurs performance, you've got to look at the two fullbacks. I think Poro and Indogi were were 
sensational. I thought they were absolute sensational. Um, playing in positions, you know, when we look at right-backs and left-backs and we see how advanced they both were at the same time, by the way. So that first goal, which, which you know, set the tone of the game, you know, Poro picking it up just inside, right-hand side, punching it into Ndoggy, who's five yards outside the 18-yard box. Udoggy. Who whips it out to... Undoggy, sorry, who whips it out to... I'm getting excited, yeah. that's why so I'm So there's, no there's no end anywhere. There's no anywhere. There's, it, I lose my ends, yeah, I lose yeah, right, my okay, use. Fine. I'm really that's sorry. Right. Um, who whips it out <laughs> Just to, trying to, to help. Son wide. <laughs> um, and, and there he is, you know, standing right next to the goalkeeper almost, tapping the ball in. Um, Poro's ball to Richarlison for the third goal, which he miscontrolled, which helped him as such because... It just took him away from the keeper. I think there was a lot to like about Spurs and there has been a lot to like about Spurs. I do think Spurs fans have been getting excited too quick, but there was a lot to like about them because, you know, the defeat against West Ham would have been really damaging and the amount of times they have been one up, like you said, Max, and and lost games. And they're a side that have struggled with injuries and they're getting a few back. But listen... I actually thought this was a game that Newcastle would probably go and win because of the state of both sides. And maybe I think that the Newcastle would have had a stronger 11. But look, I'll take it on board about the, the tiredness of the starting 11 and, and probably that's added to um, this defeat. But I think the praise has to go to Spurs here because of how well they played and they exploited uh, the Newcastle uh, deficiencies on the day. Yeah, I, I, I mean, let, let's credit Ange here for picking out Trippier, who I think has had not been playing very well for a while. So at Wolves a few weeks back, had an absolute nightmare there. Obviously, you mentioned the mistakes in midfield. But Son, who uh, I didn't think was actually going to play in the game, remember we saw that footage of him in tears on the bench? Yeah. I do think Son is such a brilliant player for Tottenham. I mean, you know, if I was a Tottenham fan, you'd love this guy. He just gives everything, doesn't he? He's so... And, and just you know, the way that he plays with, well, the fact you get the tears as well as the smiles, it's all there, isn't it? He's just got, it's so, so charismatic. But this Newcastle team, this understrength Newcastle team, let's, let, can I just run through this team? Anthony Gordon, cost, what, £60 million, was one of England's best players under, what, under 21s. Isaac, £60 million. Almiron, brilliant player for them. Joe Linton, you know, again, multi million, really good. Gumarez was a brilliant player last season. Uh, Lewis Miley, the new Gaza. Uh, Liveramento, you know, a very talented player. Fabian Char has been really, really good for Newcastle. Lascelles, come back into the team, has done well. Trippier, okay, we mentioned that, Dubravka, obviously, maybe you might want a goalie a bit better, but it's been a good player for Newcastle. That's a good Newcastle team. Last season, they went to Tottenham. They went to Tottenham last season and, bu- and, gu- and gubbed Tottenham. They absolutely blew them away. And at this point, are you thinking that Eddie Howe has overcooked them. They've they've used up too much energy. They've used up too much petrol in other other matches. Or you know, even the bench. I mean, you've got Callum Wilson, you've got Matt Ritchie, you've got Lewis Hall, you've got Sean Longstaff. That is a talented team, and they should not be getting rolled over like that. I don't want to. I know I'm, I'm certainly not a Newcastle United apologist. I, I don't think anyone would respect me of that. But I, you know, fatigue is a thing, right? If you're not at it. And, you know, Spurs could bring Pape Sarr back and they brought in Richarlison, who was fit again. And, you know, they do attack. I mean, I think Anne's got it totally right. I agree with all of you moving Sun out wide. And when those two and Johnson and, and Kuliseski are playing and they're on it, that's really hard for any defence. I just think it is a legitimate excuse to say we're knackered. But if you are knackered, you take steps against it. And I don't think he's taken enough steps against it. Matthew says, as, as much as it would piss everyone off, rightly or wrongly, should Newcastle raid the Saudi league? I mean, I, I mean, I guess it isn't that simple, is it? Because, you know, they are legitimate football teams who are in a league, you know. So, I, I, I mean, I don't know what the dynamic is between Newcastle United and the Saudi league. Obviously, they can get players from that league on loan if they want to, because that vote was... Well, get Benzema for a couple of weeks or... <laughs> like, surely his manager... J- Jordan Henderson would be a laugh, wouldn't <laughs> I mean, it? That would be man <laughs> In for a few weeks. The one is, is it not... Uh, what was the guy that played for Wolves? It was Neves, and uh, he's Neves, not going. Neves, yeah, yeah. He's come out and said he's not going, yeah. yeah. He's come out and said he's staying where he is. He won't be very good for them either. He's too slow, if I may say. Can I talk about Christian Romero? He... he threw himself in on, on Callum Wilson when Spurs are 3-0 up 
seem very lucky, Troy. And like he's just missed three games where Spurs have lost them all, I think, or lost two and drawn one. It's madness, right? He's not trustworthy, Max. He's not trustworthy. There was no need to go and make the tackle. He actually made the tackle with his right foot and then made sure he got him again with his left foot. Um, I This is where I, I, I'm trying to refrain from saying VAR, but I cannot understand that you look at that multiple times and there's a couple of incidents this weekend where I cannot understand you look at that multiple times and say, cleared. Yeah, and actually... Yeah, Jacob Brown is the, the other one, right? For Luton. The Jacob man, how, that the is not, one, yeah. how that is not a red card. I, I, cannot, I cannot understand it, Max. But Spurs, listen, I like Romero in regards to his footballing ability, but he he loses it. And if you're losing it and you're 3-0 up, comfortable, Newcastle are not going to come back in that game and you put your side under pressure because let's say that that was a red, he can't be trusted. And he's part of the captain's circle, by the way. So what do the other captains say to him when he does make those decisions where he obviously just thinks, I, I, I need to do something to roll this game up? I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. But for me, how you can look at that multiple times and say nothing, I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Prof Spur says, is it finally time for Chelsea to dip into the transfer market and sign some new players? Thank you very much, uh, James. Should Frank Lampard return for a third stint? He yes, knows the club. Yes, yes, um, yes, please. Is that, is yes, that, yes, please, please let this happen. <laughs> I mean, he could go back to Everton, but like, I think they're probably quite happy with Sean Dyche. Um, Everton 2, Chelsea nil. Everton won their last three, four of their last five. If it wasn't for the 10-point deduction, John, they would be comfortably above Chelsea. Their third consecutive clean sheet. It's... They are good. They're good, and they know how to do a goal celebration as well. Yeah. yeah. Do you see this? Very true. You, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's, oh, it's, I, I hate this. Do you know what? And they're the most authentic team in the Premier League as well. That's, <laughs> that is what matters. That is what... Forget Jordan's Villa stuff. Forget United being bad. Forget all of it. It's about being authentic. All right? And that's what Sean Dyche has told us. And that's what Everton are. The most authentic. I kind of get it though. Like, I mean, obviously, it doesn't make any sense. But no, I- <laughs> bring back the pre-planned celebrations from goals. I want to see the dance. I want to see the. I want to bring them back. It's a travesty. They've they've, they've gone up the game. Actually, saying that, I, I thought one of my. I don't know if you mentioned this on the podcast today. Actually, Max, you, you were not here, uh, so maybe maybe Robin did. I didn't hear it. My apologies, Robin. Uh, Cole Palmer's non-celebration celebration against a team he never played for, United. <laughs> Because he was a United fan. <laughs> Come on, mate. Come on. I should say on this, um, Jordan, those are two brilliant finishes because those are so easy to balloon over the bar, the Kure and Dobbin. And so I was, and, and, and there was just something so, I'll say it, authentic about that. Yeah, brilliant. Injury time. We've won this game. Celebration. Young kid. First goal for Everton, which was just joyous. No, they, they, they were great finishes. And I'm, I'm not necessarily, I don't have an issue with a player authentically <laughs> celebrating a goal, you know, in the corner. I, 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 have, well, I, have a, I have an issue with Sean Dyche pushing back on the idea that he doesn't want any more prepared celebrations. That's my problem. Um, I think Nigel Clough, at, Nigel Clough at Mansfield has told his players not to expend energy. Uh, but by, from the same by, school, um, you see, by sure. celebrating. Well, that lent us to do the the text topic. Have you ever celebrated anything in Mansfield um, <laughs> on the radio? And not, 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 not many people had. Um, should we do Chelsea, Troy? I mean, listen, I just wanted to say very quickly that I know young Lewis Dobbin, and it was a great moment for him and his family. Um, you know, he's done the loan stuff. He's He's still on the cuts of the team. So for him to get that opportunity and to put it away and to, to celebrate in the manner, it, everything just went loose, didn't it? I'm really, really glad for him. So, yeah, I just wanted to say that. Chelsea, is there really much to say? Honestly, Matt, they're a rotten I feel team. there's a lot to, there are a lot well, to say, but it's not hard to know what it is. Not that we haven't said already. Not that we yeah, haven't maybe. said already. They're a rotten team. They've got no leadership. Um, although they've got five captains, they've got no identity. They've got no pattern. They've got no authentic, authentic goal scorers. Um, they're a mess. And Pochettino, did he say this week that he, they, we need to go back into the transfer market? Which just shows you how much wastage they've spent on players anyway. They're disorganised. We say all that. And, and, and I know he made, you know, he, he, he obviously thought that his senior players had not been giving him enough. So, 
out goes Silva, out goes Sterling. Um, there was a couple of others that went out. Jackson went out. But actually, they were the better team, by the way. <laughs> they were the better team in the game. They created the chances. Again, a bit fluffy like Arsenal were at Villa. Sorry to drop Arsenal back in again. And then um, Everton exploited them. Decore is an amazing player um, who, who obviously likes playing for Dyche. He's getting in more advanced positions, scores the, scores the goal. And then you know that Everton are going to win. I don't think Chelsea have the desire to get back into games like that. And it's got to be a massive worry for Poch because his, his sprinkling of gold dust is not working at all. He's not working at all. There's a lot of options there for him in regards to, to stabilising that team. And a few weeks ago after the Man City game, everyone was, oh, Chelsea's back. We've got our Chelsea back and whatever else. And since then, since then they've stunk the place out. I don't know. I, I think Pochettino can't wait for January. Maybe let a few go and then come back again with, with a few more. Well, Troy, you say that, but I mean, I, I don't. I'm always a bit uncomfortable in talking about managers losing their jobs. But uh, I've looked at their next few fixtures, and their fixtures on paper that you could say are nice games: Sheffield United, uh, well, Wolves away, um, I can see Luton away. Um, if he doesn't get results in those games, does he? Get, is, there, is there any? Do we think there's any chance that he doesn't even make it to January? Because I, I don't think he will be fired, but if those results over Christmas don't go well, in the same way, I believe that the United, the, the main problem is the ownership, but Ten Hag has to still show something. I think the same is, is, is true here. I think he's come into a bit of a mess, but he has to still show something. And I don't think he is. I like Poch. I'm a big fan of his, and I think he's probably the best thing about that club right now. But he's still got to show something. And if those three or four games coming up over Christmas, he doesn't get results... Uh, you know, they, there's Chelsea fans I know that are talking about winning relegation no. scrap potentially. Be... In the next <laughs> yeah, it's laughable. I mean, but... uh, didn't you sack Ten Hag about 20 minutes ago? But anyway, I, I um, I, I think what's so interesting about the really interesting about Chelsea's recruitment, John, is is you know they've got problems at goalkeeper. Obviously, Sanchez was injured, um, subbed off, but he he was a kind of felt like a bit of a stopgap. And Kunku, of course, is injured, and that would make, yeah. could make a massive difference up top. But they still. They still we, seems... don't, we don't know about Uncucu. Yeah, we don't. Uncucu is one of those players where it's it's like, oh, as soon as he comes back, and it's like, well, how do you know? Yeah. How do you know? You can never know these things, can you? They've spent a billion pounds or whatever it is, or half a billion, I can't remember, and it's centre midfield, okay, that is going to work. If it, you know, Caicedo, Fernandez, you know, with you know Gallagher and a couple of is, others. Is it, though? Is it, though? I mean, the thing is... Well, like you feel thought, like they aren't bad. They're not bad signings, but, how, but they don't no, seem no, to have cent- depth at centre-back, yeah, yeah. depth up front, a keeper... That's like the whole spine and they've spent all that money. That's the sort of madness. And and surely they've got FFP, right? And aren't they run by people? I think Adam Crafton was saying, you know, they, they, their investors will want a return on this at some point. Well, they sort of, they sort of remind me of a, a superannuated Watford of a few years ago where you're wondering where they're sourcing all the players from. And they're on, because it, the, the plan is, isn't it? You pay high transfer fees and the wages are lower, so therefore you don't spend as much money. That's essentially the plan. I don't know if that even works in American sports. I suspect not. And so it it, it hasn't worked. Um, and as Jordan said about Manchester United, about many other places, it goes to the ownership to say, what are you going to do to switch this around, change the culture of the club? Because... It feels like they inherited you know, the, the remnants of the Abramovich thing. Uh, if you go down to Cobham, there's lots of building work and all this stuff going on. Things are modernising, but the thing is, the football team is not modernising. It's the you're actually saying what you've got now is what would in the Abramovich era would be a Gus Hiddink season, as in Gus would be taken over now and be trying to get them into the Europa League or whatever it was, or win a cup. They're just listing badly. And uh, I think Gus Hiddink's probably a little bit too old to come in now. So, uh, Steve Costerill, maybe let's get back to Steve. Oh, I mentioned Adam Crafton. Uh, he he tweeted at the weekend, what an advert for chicken feet that was by Andros Townsend. Um, <laughs> Sean, will Troy hang that cross in the loo? Uh, not the Louvre. And uh, Ben was was uh, quite all surprised that Andros cut inside onto his left foot. Um, you were at Kenilworth <laughs> Road. Uh, look, Man City won in the end. It was a great cross from your son. Uh, we can start there. Luton were unlucky in this game, weren't they? There, there was there was an obvious distance between the two sides. City controlled the game from start to finish. Um, you know, they were good on the ball. Movement was good. 
again, lack of finishing qualities, I suppose. Um, Luton's keeper, who has just won save of the month, was producing saves again. And then Luton come out, not out of their shell. They didn't, you know, again, they played so well against Arsenal. I thought it'd be very, very difficult to mirror that performance um, again against another top side. And, and yes, City are struggling a little bit, but they've got Rodri back. And I suppose that's their spine that has obviously proved that they, they cannot replace him. Um, so there was about three or four opportunities for City to start with. And then Luton in one of their isolated attacks, break out. There's this magnificent cross from this young lad. Um, <laughs> and there's a great header into the back of the net. And all of a sudden, the, you know, the crowd that go mad, the stadium's up, Pep's not happy. Um, well, his whole bench were not happy for some reason. Um, and it looked like the impossible could happen. But the minute the second half started again, the status was there and it was it was just a matter of time. The problem I have with Luton is that their concentration levels, whilst they are on it and they're zoned on it as well. And, it, and you know, Rob has got these players... Rob, sorry, me and him are not that close. Rob Edwards has got these players that are playing out of their skin, but the concentrate for 90 minutes. That's why they've not uh, kept a clean sheet. And the minute they conceded the first, you knew that the second wasn't far away. Um, a bit of controversy about the second, but it, it wasn't handball and, and you know... Again, lack of concentration at the back stick. And there's Jack Grealish to, to make it 2-1. So, listen, great endeavour by Luton, as there has been since the time that I've been watching them. Um, they're scoring goals against the top sides. They're, they're, you know, competing against them. But it's that little bit of quality and that little bit of discipline that is letting them down. Troy, I was just going to ask that question. Do you think that the fact that they're defensively, they haven't been able to get those clean sheets is due to... Um, concentration, discipline, or it's just they're just not good enough. It's a quality thing because I watched the Arsenal game and a lot of people were praising Luton for being great. I thought defensively they were they were competitive, they were diligent, they were disciplined. Offensively they gave nothing. But I don't want to be harsh on them. I think it's because I thought it was a quality issue. They they feel like they're championship players in the Premier League. So what what do you think of the two? It leans more towards. I don't think they're starstruck because they're competing so well. But I do think, I think they need an... Ex- Tom Lockyer is, is, is a very good captain. And when he he wasn't there against Arsenal and they, they were exposed. But there, there needs to be a little bit of leadership there. It's almost like, well, I won't do it, you do it. And if you don't do it, oh, who's going to do it? Oh, we both won't do it, goal. So it's, it, they need, some, they need some, some leadership at the back. Because like I said... They're being very competitive and, you know, these are home games. So you do worry about the way games against Liverpool, against Arsenal, against, you know, Manchester City at the moment. So they, you know, I don't know what they've got to spend in January. Um, but if they could bring in, I don't know, a loan signing that is an experienced um, Premier League player that can help at the back, I think that would help them massively. There's so much rawness in there. It takes them so far. And then it lets them down at the final moment. So, look, Rob, has, Rob Edwards has done a great job. You know, he's brought them up first and foremost. They got battered in the first game, didn't they, against Brighton. They're now competing against sides who are in the top seven. But there's still no results out there. The results that have to come have to be against, like, the likes of Brentford when they were away. And it was nil-nil and there was nothing happening in the game. And then all of a sudden they lose focus and Brentford are 2-0 up without doing anything. So it's those those games at those moments that they've got to decide whether you know how they pick up their points. Two things. One, there was just a run from Ross Barkley where he just the balance that he had. I mean, he he put it yeah. wide in the end. It was so great. And he's he's been a revelation for, for Luton. And I don't know if any of you heard Jack Grealish after the game. He was he is such a charming interviewee actually, and he was talking about Kenilworth Road. And he was I think he was at Notts County on loan. You know, he's played at, at sort yeah. of League One, League Two level at, at times, and he just said. It, how much he loved going there and not in a patronizing way and also mentioning how like you know the some of the foreign lads at city were like did not have a clue like we're just like what is this type thing and he was really funny and then he was quite good on whether city were in a crisis he was like 
we've just we've just played four top teams and and you know and he and he couldn't remember one of them and it was Villa and he was and then he just burst out laughing. It was. How could I forget? <laughs> yeah. How could I forget Aston Villa for, for, for him? Anyway, he, he was suspended though, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it was charming. And, and, and what what makes his comments even better, Max, that that he got battered by the fans. The fans were really giving it to him. So the fact that he could come out afterwards and say. Do you know what I mean? Be so complimentary about the ground and, and that sort of occasion, I think says a lot about him as well. All right, that'll do for part two. In part three, we'll rattle through the rest of the Premier League. Wünschst du dir, dass dein Lieblingspodcast nicht mehr durch Werbung unterbrochen wird? Gute Nachrichten. Werbefreies Hören bei Amazon Music ist in deiner Prime-Mitgliedschaft enthalten. Gehe einfach zu amazon.de slash podcasts, um die neuesten Folgen zu hören. Genieße als Prime-Mitglied tausende Acast-Podcasts ohne Werbung. Einige Podcasts enthalten möglicherweise Werbung. Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. Um, Fulham 5, West Ham 0. Into the top 10. 10 goals in their last two games. None conceded. Doesn't really feel like Fulham to me, John. I'm not quite sure what's happened. Those two results feel like Fulham when they're in the Championship, don't they? When just they obliterated everybody in sight. Yeah. I think Marco Silva is so suited to Fulham in the way that he plays football the right way. They play attacking football. I do think Polina is such an important player for them, obviously. Uh, but I think the things that set the take from this, obviously, is the continued form of Jimenez which is one of those stories that we're all heartened by because... And actually, I, I want to credit the managers that kept playing him and kept having faith in him because it did look at a certain point that his career would be over after what happened to him at the Emirates back in 2020. Um, and you can see the joy that his teammates take in the fact that this guy who's been through so much scoring is now scoring goals. They're loving it. And I do think Marco Silva... Uh, He's not maybe the best publicist for himself because he just because someone so, uh, so the questions asked him you know uh, how can we be playing so well oh no no we've been doing, we're playing this way always since the start you know it's it's not we've not changed anything and he's so proud and he's so defensive of himself he never quite lets himself go and just say come on I've I've really enjoyed this and maybe maybe you should enjoy it more because I think Fulham's a club where they do enjoy the football. And he, they've been brilliant. And let's not even mention West Ham. They were yeah. shocking. It was a great stat on Sky. Fulham have scored 10 goals at home in the last four days. In the 2021 relegation season, they only scored nine at home all season. <laughs> You're so right about Raul Jimenez. And the thing is, Jordan, it's like, it's not just he's scoring goals. Like, that's a brave header. Yeah, like, yeah. That's, and that was such a massive part of his game before he got that injury. And, and that sort of makes it even more special. It does, and he's someone that I was really liking at Wolves, and to the point where I thought he may be a good alternative um, at my club, Arsenal. You know, looking at him at that point, I'm really glad that he's got back to got back to school. He's a really good forward, but he, he's, he kind of mixes the old school with, you know, he's a big man with a good touch, all that sort of stuff. But he's actually a, a good football player as well. Um, and so, yeah, you know, the, the art of heading, I think, has been lost by many. But he's someone that still knows how to. Um, uh, to put the ball in the back of the net with his noggin. And um, Tom Kenny, who's come back in, who I think is a really brilliant footballer, and he's also a thoroughly nice chap. And uh, I think it's really good nice hair. to see him. Good hair, good guy, good yeah. captain, good leader, <laughs> just good. A good footballer. I've got a lot of yeah. time for Tom Kenny. Yeah, I like him. I like him. And his, his ball, his vision and ball to Harry Wilson for that cracking goal um, was a delight. It was an absolute delight. But... I like the way the goals were spread, the goals, the 10 goals have been spread around the team. Awobi's coming into his own now as well, isn't he? Willian on the other side. How old is Willian again now? Someone no one knows. Me, please. Yeah. 75, I think. Yeah. <laughs> 75, yeah. And he's yeah, playing yeah. like a teenager. Um, there's a lot to like about Fulham. And you often wonder, they are a hit and miss side. And you, you now wonder where this, those two you know, big, big victories at home where it will take them because they're on the cusp of something, but they never seem to break through. So they're a likable team, likable club. And I hope that this is a start of them pushing on into that top 10. Yeah. Uh, he's 35 is, uh, 35 is, uh, Willian. Um, so I was the closest. You were, yeah. Uh, Archie's on the pod on Thursday. <laughs> when, when we did that full minute, you can just hear him already. He'll really, you know, he'll, he'll really slow down. 
he'll really you could just yeah it'll just get really labored and gushing and but you know he he deserves it he deserves it um <laughs> liverpool are top of the league in a kind of no one's really talking about them way is that jordan because there've been some really interesting storylines this season you know spurs at the start of the season was really interesting villa right now is interesting arsenal have had you know the sort of arteta rant city have had that mini crisis and liverpool okay they had the var moment didn't they that was their sort of big moment but really they sort of just quietly top of the league without really being brilliant but doing enough, getting a lot of, winning a lot of games from losing positions, doing the things that title winners need to do. Yeah, they, they, they haven't really featured prominently in, in the minds of, I think, a lot of people. Um, and they're just kind of ticking along, do, doing their thing and racking the points up. Um, I think what's noticeable about them is the amount of late goals that they, they, they seem to be racking up. And when it's applied to my club, people always come to discover if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Um uh, they have the firepower to kind of outscore anybody and always be in a game uh, when you've got the five up front or the five options up front that, that, that they do have. Defensively, I don't think they're particularly great. I think they'll need to work on um, keeping a few more clean sheets. But it's weird because Van Dijk seems to be getting back to his best, yet defensively, they still seem to be conceding quite a lot of cheap goals. Um, Slobber's line in the middle, I'm, I'm watching. I hear a lot of good things about him. He looks really, really good. Um, but I'm really keen to see how that midfield kind of forms. So they are just kind of putting together the makings of a title-winning team, if not this year, for next year. And I'm sure they won't mind going under the radar and just kind of going on with their business. But um, yeah, they're, they're, they're licking their lips this weekend against um, United and they'll definitely be on the radar then. Uh, 14 goals in the last 15 minutes of games this season. So yeah, that's a good point. Um, John? Jürgen. He's angry, isn't he? They, 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 there's, there's a, there's a rage there. He's the, very the, angry with Marcus Buckland. Yes, yes, I guess, of Marcus course. Buckland. Yeah, but, yes. yeah. yeah sense of humour failure of a, you know, my, magnificent proportions that one. But uh, the celebration of the the goal, actually, Harvey Elliott's goal. I think it's with Pep Linders. It was this sort of wasn't a hug. They just sort of ran into bounced puffer jackets against each other in this sort of <laughs> aggressive. It's like a Zorb. Yeah, like yeah, Zorbing yeah. like atoms in that large Hadron Collider. Just go, yeah. No, no, no arms on each other in any, any sense of affection. <laughs> just this sort of smash into each other and like, yeah. Just, just pure manly aggression. It was a brilliant finish from Harvey Elliott. And actually, I, I, I don't know if the keeper's at fault. Troy, just come on. Remy Matthews, he's not really played a lot of football. His weight goes the other way, doesn't it? Just before he strikes it. I thought he was at fault, but then I, I when I looked at it again and I saw that the, I'm trying to remember who the two players were in front of him, Hughes, maybe Richards, they didn't do enough to block the shot. The minute it's hit, they both turn their back. One stuck out a lazy leg. And then I think, you know, the goalkeeper is blindsided a little bit, but you have to, I would say that he has to do better. But I, I just, I mean, there's a lot going on in this game, isn't there? The IU sending off, the penalty, the you know, the incident that I said replicate was similar to the the Jesus incident. But seeing as John has mentioned, or Max, I think you mentioned fuming managers. Did you see Roy Hodgson's interview? Wow. I yeah. mean, if wow, ever there was amazing. a fuming manager, it, I, I felt sorry for Roy. I really felt sorry for Roy. But then I looked at him and thought, is that the best you've got in regards to anger, Roy? Do you know what I mean? It was. I felt for him because, you know what? You're saying he's not doing, he can't do anger well enough? Or... I don't think he does it well enough, Max. I think if you're going to be angry, you've got to be throwing that microphone down and, and whatever else and adding a few expletives in there as well. But what disappointed me for Roy, he got his game plan spot on, didn't he? You know, the yeah, way that he yeah. approached he the really game, unlucky. they were so unlucky. He got his game plan spot on and he was obviously fuming. The thing is, again, sorry... I like when Roy shakes hands at the end. He's just lost. He's got this. I don't know if that's a real smile or it's a pretend smile, yeah. but he's talking with, with yeah. Jürgen and he's, <laughs> he's smiling. And then he comes and does his interview and said, I'm only out here because I've got to do it. And But, but he was angry because the penalty, because the red card, right? Is that, is that why he was? I think there was a few bits to his anger, but he was angry. I thought it was a bit harsh. I thought it was a bit harsh. But it was, a, it was both it was, soft it was yellows. yellows. Yeah. It, was, it, it was the right decision. The soft yellows. The first one is I was being stupid. You don't stand in front of a ball. You give the option for the player to do what Van Dyke did. And there's all these ex-players going, oh, you know, Van Dyke getting a player booked. You've all done it. So let's forget about that. I thought the second one was harsh. I honestly thought the second one was harsh. Yeah, that was just a foul. It was just a foul. Roy acted acted as if someone had filled his green bin or something like that. (laughs) That is... 
<laughs> Someone did say, <laughs> Bavarian Hammer says, if Roy Bricked Up Hodgson gets a ref visit to apologise, make sure uh, not to do it at his pig farm. <laughs> 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 it's just going to murder. <laughs> just <laughs> eat David Cooter's next. <laughs> Who's next? <laughs> to get done by Roy. Drew says, anyone know what Hugh Jackman was up to at the weekend? This obsession with panning to famous people at football matches. It has to stop. It doesn't change your enjoyment of a game to find out that Michael McIntyre is watching Spurs as well. It doesn't matter. Why does anybody care? Anyway, very briefly, Sheffield United being Brentford is a massive result for them. And let us just spend a minute, John, on James McAtee's finish because it is perfection. Oh, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Talented player as well. First Premier League goal. Really, really enjoyed himself. Chris Wilder. Can he pull it off? Probably not. But it's Sheffield United remember them. It's good to see. Uh, I'm going there over Christmas. Looking forward to it. Um, yeah, well done. Well done. Yeah, absolutely beautiful finish. And uh, uh, Chris Wilder beaming at the end was, was great. Uh, Wolves won, Forest won. I mean, the big story out of this one, Jordan, is is that result keeps Steve Cooper in his job for now, which does seem odd, doesn't it? Because, <laughs> you know, Forrest could have won this game. Harry Toffolo misses that header at the end. That doesn't, does that make Steve Cooper three times better because they'd get three points, not one? You know, Wolves could have won this game as well. I thought Forrest, look, after the Fulham game, they showed a bit, they showed a, they had a bit about them. But I think Steve Cooper, you know, he seems to be loved by the fans. I think it'd be a mad thing to get rid of him. I agree. And I think it was Neda Manuo was uh, speaking about this on, on one of the last pods about if you're going to fire a manager, the next two or three results shouldn't dictate that. Either you think he's good enough to have the job or he's not. So this kind of prolonging, waiting and seeing what the next man- what the next result brings to determine whether you fire the manager or not, for me, is a bit bizarre. I like Steve Cooper. And as you said, the, the Forest fans like him. And this comes down to expectations. What do they expect Forrest to be doing. I think he's doing a very, very good job in in, in the circumstances of, of, of what he's in. So I, I wouldn't fire him, but I think he is on borrowed time for sure. Brighton won, Burnley won finally. Um, a, a, a word on James Trafford, Troy, who who had a superb game, didn't he, for Burnley? Yeah, he did. He did. A, a young, he's come under a bit of criticism, hasn't it? Well, he's come under a lot of criticism, but he's got the backing of his manager and the confidence that that gives you, especially as a a young man in goal, must be amazing. And he's pulled off some absolutely tremendous saves that have kept him in the game. He's obviously won for the future, but he's he's in there now. And, and the trust and the belief that he has of those around him and, and the gaffer um, is obviously giving him the confidence to perform in that way. Um, look, I felt he could have dipped out a little while ago, to be honest, to save him from the barrage of, of some of the abuse that he was receiving. But like I said, when you've got the manager backing you and, and, and saying that you are my number one, like David Rayer has got, um, then yeah, he's done really, really well. Uh, important things we don't have time to talk about. Arsenal beating Chelsea 4-1 in the WSL. A massive result in the title race there. Uh, listen to the Guardian. Women's Football Weekly, please. Uh, absolutely brilliant for that title race. Uh, that result. Bayern getting hit for five. Uh, we will, of course, discuss that in the week. Champions League week. They play Manchester United. Uh, Neil Harris remains unbeaten as Cambridge United manager. Um, 2-0 down <laughs> at the Valley at uh, producer Joel's Charlton Athletic uh, in the huge... Football Weekly Derby and the Gasana had me scored two, one in the 87th minute, a penalty in the 95th. <laughs> Absolute scenes. Yes, John. Max, uh, as part of my trip, I went to Go Ahead Eagles yesterday, lunchtime. Oh, oh lovely. And it reminded me of the Abbey Stadium. Oh, there you go. Ah, wonderful. Yeah. As in what? Oh. Like, as in perfection of a football ground, or you have to walk through a field of cows to get there? <laughs> well, they had to walk through a reasonably posh estate, it's quite a well to do area. You have to sort of walk along the side of the pit so you sort of people, you're getting in people's way when you're walking along. Uh, but yeah, great. Yeah, beautiful. Perfect. We finished with this from Mr. Craig, who says, have any of the panel been brave enough to throw an apple into a bin before? <laughs> um, this is in relation to, uh, I'm not sure what Michael Owen was on. It's a very funny. Sort of sub-high performance podcast. It is. Thing, wasn't it? <laughs> He's sort of trying to talk about his struggle. And he refers to a moment as a child where he would repeatedly try and throw an apple into a bin, even though his mum didn't want him to throw the apple into the bin. But his dad would secretly be proud of him if he threw the apple into the bin. And he said, everything was a challenge. I'd eat an apple while watching the TV at night and the bin would be by the TV six metres away and I would do it. I would have the bravery to miss. That was his quote. Um, 
That's absolutely sensational stuff, isn't it? I've never considered that. You know, I it, what it makes me feel is that I'm much braver than I thought. I always had myself down as a massive coward. But now throwing fruit in a bin from a modest distance is, you know, the epitome of You're quite good. You're quite good at it as well though. You you you've got quite a good aim. You, you have got Well, quite a good I did aim. throw a, a paper yeah. cup into a bin. In public, I mean, my mum wasn't there to scold me if it hadn't gone in and my dad wasn't there to nod an approval, but I have tweeted that video out quite a lot of times because it is still, I think about that moment quite a lot because it even had a bit of curl on it, you know, and it's and it, and it it was one of those bins, I presume, you know, I don't know what the bin that Michael Owen was, I presume it's like a waste paper basket if it's by the TV, right? So that is a fully open, yeah, yeah. that's like a basketball hoop. Whereas the bin that I was throwing was a sort of typical London Recycled. bin. It's like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like a, it's like a letterbox. You know, you know, that's you've got really not a lot to aim for. So like the bravery I showed to take on that shot in public, given also obviously you know, like I'm a megastar, like like people would have known I was throwing this paper cup uh, into the bin. Anyway, producer Joel writes, Burnley fans are going to be delighted. We gave more time to this than we did uh, their creditable draw at the Amex. Um, Our apologies. Uh, We will make it up to you, I hope, at some point. And that'll do for today. Uh, Thank you, Troy. Absolute pleasure, Max. Uh, Thank you, Jordan. Cheers, mate. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. Football Weekly is produced by Joel Grove. Our executive producer is Daniel Stevens. Back for the Champions League Wednesday and Thursday this week. This is The Guardian.